0: This podcast is for educational purposes only. The content of this podcast should not be used to diagnose, treat or cure any medical condition. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. If you or any other person has a medical concern, you should consult with your healthcare provider or seek other professional medical treatment. Welcome to the Healthy Habit Hot Seat, where we chat to extraordinary humans and world-leading health experts to dive deep into the intricacies of the daily healthy habits that have shaped their success. Remember, success leaves clues, right? I'm your host and resident healthy habit coach, Loz Antonenko, and I cannot wait to help you re-energize your life. So you too can create opportunity, vitality, and abundance to become the master of your own incredible healthy destiny. Now, let's get into today's conversation. Today I interview Anne-Marie Lassere. Anne-Marie has faced many challenges and fabulous celebrations from disordered eating patterns to becoming a business owner, champion athlete, and an avid racehorse rider. Reported as the most successful NABBA figure athlete from Australia, Anne-Marie lives by her motto to make a goal and harness yourself to the dream with a ferocious determination. I'd like to welcome Anne-Marie Lassere to the Healthy Habit Hot Seat. You have been such an inspiration to me. Um, The first time that we met, we really connected and I really resonated with your message about creating sustainable health and wellness. You've done so many things in your life. Imagine we're queuing for green tea at a bodybuilding event and there's only 30 seconds before you and I are going to part ways. So let's take into consideration, you know, it's a short, sharp message. What is your message for our listeners about what you stand for and who you are?
1: Okay, so what I stand for is being female empowered. I support helping people be the best of their ability the reason I like people do be the best of their ability because you can't be any better than yourself so then with the knowledge that I've experienced from the good's bad and the ugly I like to extend that forward to the next person so hopefully hopefully can help their life in some way
0: oh that's so beautiful and there's so much passion in your voice I can see that there's quite a story behind that message for sure and I'm excited to dive in to that message uh, for the rest of this podcast so when you were younger You suffered from disordered eating patterns, and as an adult, you've been dealing not only with celiac disease, but multiple food intolerances. How has this impaired your daily life and impacted your journey to becoming a professional figure athlete? Okay, so when I was quite young,
1: probably from what I can recollect from probably five to seven, had a real sort of uh, my relationship with food became quite distorted. The fact I couldn't handle different substances, you know, chewing it or how it smelled or how it actually made me smell as well. So I've been always been quite sensitive to how things tasted. So I got to the point even right up until 14, 15, I was a strict vegan. And a strict vegan, you know, obviously animal rights and whatever, but it was mainly because I I couldn't handle actually tasting off absorbing them and then digestion is why so then growing up then doing ballet and then riding horses um it just felt better to for me to feel healthy by not having a lot of meat into my diet but then as i started to pursue more fitness became excessively tired i found i couldn't keep my protein content up high enough and then when i actually started pursuing bodybuilding i found it almost unachievable to keep my body fat down and keep energy levels up without having any protein into my system so then I met my first coach and he insisted insisted me on having various amounts of proteins from you know red meat white meat anything from a tin basically I wasn't force-fed but I chose to take that lifestyle on and you know years later I really struggled with trying to absorb any minerals from it and then you know end up getting quite sick from that and then years later I still find myself not able to absorb a lot of things and you know if I had kept going in that same way it would have I wouldn't have had the career I had. So I took a step and go, you know what, I have to listen to what my body can actually handle and what I can actually actually tolerate and went from there. So from now, um, if I look back at it, the disordered eating patterns that were set as a bodybuilder and we were encouraged to eat didn't necessarily fit everyone as back then we'll say, well this is what you do to become a bodybuilder. And I'm like, well how can I know that be right when I feel sick all the time or I can actually chart the progress from the meal, moment I had that meal to seven minutes later feeling absolutely sick or, you know, incapacitated in some way. So coming all the way up through for figure, the, you know, the first couple of years uh, with IFBB figure, I really struggled, really struggled, and it was usually post-prep, which was worse, when I started to incorporate back into a sort of a normal eating pattern after being off a fairly carnivorous or high-protein diet. That was usually the worst. It was the, the six-months post-show that i really didn't cope with and you have to go back to normal life which i didn't cope with
0: yeah right so it's had a really significant impact on you know your journey i guess and i think where you are now like what a ride man because you're described as the most successful NABA figure athlete from australia so health and wellness has been a huge part of that journey for you and now you're a wellness mentor and a coach i guess a question here is What did you do to increase and maintain your motivation despite all of these challenges that you faced?
1: Okay, so most of the time I found when I was feeling uncomfortable or feeling, um, you know, tired from inadequate calories, I was angry a lot of the times too. So I think my body actually switched driving to switch drive into more adrenal. So I used to find myself, my personality was slightly pissed off or enraged most of the time so you come to a point in your career you think why am i so angry why do i not get on with people why do i take things so seriously why can't i back off and i was lucky that i met up with my coach john davey who pointed out to me says you are way too angry for a female um and what do you look forward to in your time off and i was like, i don't have any time off (laughs) i just get through this blah, blah blah and i actually realized myself that i didn't really enjoy anything i was basically focused on what i wanted to achieve and what i needed to do achieve and then started testing everything started testing bloods what was going on their bloods how things were filtering so it was that point in the career probably 10 to 12 years ago that i started really really looking after myself opposed to just doing what i was told So then I started questioning things, going, why do I have to take all these supplements or vitamins when I could be getting it from food? And why do I have the same food every day? So then I started questioning, okay, well, why am I being a part of something that's actually not suiting me? And then... Why am I not getting answers either? So then I started doing my own research and my investigation, and hiring my own experts in the parameters that they had mastered. So towards the end of my career, there was probably seven different people looking after what I needed to do. All different, different doctors or coaches, in part, in, in terms of what I needed to do to to get where I was. It wasn't just one person the answer. So that's a lot of pressure for some person to do. So that's when I started taking control of what I needed to do for myself.
0: Wow, that's um. Interesting to hear that because so many people don't even use a coach when they embark on journeys, like especially with bodybuilding. I mean, personally, I know people that will try and prep for a stage show and go, oh, I can do it on my own. But there is so much merit in having – A coach or a team of advisors I was exactly the same actually from a personal perspective that makes a huge difference to the way that you I think move past something like that as well so once the end of that career is over you've learned so much and I think as a wellness mentor for yourself the amount that you would have learnt from all of those people, you would have taken all those things together and sort of pushed that into what it is that you do now, which is to help people live really healthful, sustainable lives, no matter what it is that they're choosing to do. So that was the main problem.
1: Most things I could get through a prep, but then I still ran my own business as a personal trainer, but I just didn't have the empathy or the energy to get through my day with the amount of food I was on and then as I said post-show I really wasn't interested in helping people I think 95% of my clients were, were mailed because they were basically you do
0: this you do that so you've worked more than 20 years in the fitness industry and the health industry and you've helped heaps of people supporting them to achieve their goals through health well-being and self-control in your experience, what have been the top three barriers that you've seen with other people and the challenges they've had in their own quest to reach their goals? Self-esteem
1: mainly would be the first one and people's identity with what they feel they have to be opposed to what they want to be. Estrogen has been another factor. People who have are blocked by a barrier of hormones due to the fact that they're unaware that Excess, you know, being on contraceptives or medication over the years has then blocked them from moving forward. And then people's lack of knowledge for nutrition, what is actually good for them opposed to what's not. And then thinking, you know, I can get and go burn off excess amounts of calories by doing excessive amounts of cardio. So that's probably been the main thing. So like when you're dealing with people who usually the main factor when someone might connect with me, I want to lose weight and I'll go, well, what sort of weight? And they go, well, I want to lose 20 kilos. I go, well, 20 kilos of what? I said, you don't have 20 kilos to lose. If I look at you, are you talking water, body fat? I said, because there's not 20 kilos to lose. And then trying to nurture and restructure education that people actually fathom, okay, I don't need to lose all this muscle like and taking a percentage of their bones. So when you're jumping on the scales you know what are we actually measuring is it mm. is it gray fat yellow fat brown fat and what is holding you back but probably the number one has been self-esteem and self-esteem issues and then people identifying what they actually want to look like and feel like when most people just present a photo to me and go i want to look like this and i go well you do realize it's a photo of mcpherson she's 642 and built like an android you know and you're five six so a lot of the times too i will be the mediator between your goal and the reality and let's say well let's be the best you can be um, in a time factor that we both agree upon that's going to be kind to your system so that's probably been the main challenge is being self-awareness and also education so this is reality and the photo that you're sending me or or you know presenting to me is is doctored in some way or this person it's taken them 20 years to look like that.
0: Yeah. People don't know the backstory. It's interesting when people set goals because they don't realize that this idea of a goal that they have is actually just a fantasy because it's not, it's just a fantasy.
1: In a, normally in a, a console or if I meet someone, tell me your top three goals. Tell me in how, in a, how important they are to you. And it will normally factor in to look a certain way. And I go, well, you know, and what are you prepared to cut out to look at this way? And then the sacrifice never really, on a scale of one to 10, measures up to how that how that's looked, You know, and sometimes it, to me, in a personal opinion, it is really unrealistic. And then we keep on then starting to mediate the goal. And when we both come to a goal we both agree on, I go, okay, well, this is what I think you can tangibly do. It doesn't mean you can't go beyond that, but let's do achievable goals to start with. Otherwise, I think it's gonna be very unfair on your self-esteem, which is the main issue while you're here, to get past this particular challenge which you want to get to. So that helps me help them, empower them to get the skill set to get where they need to be. And then we start with the nutrition and, you know, the knowledge about how they actually genetically structured or what they're held back from, from past onion layers of medication or abuse or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's really important to find that structured approach to goal setting because a lot of people don't even know how to set a goal or the reason to set a goal that sort of baffles them. Like what you've heard so far? Head on over to lozlife.com, that's L-O-Z-L-I-F-E.com, and download my five simple hacks to level up your life today. Now, back to the show. So speaking of goals, you had always dreamt that you would become an iron woman, but you... Couldn't actually get to training because you were instructing group exercise classes, right? So instead, years later, you moved into sports supplement space and obviously into you know your figure athlete space. And this experience for you was unlike anything you'd ever seen before. But you use your life experience to get you to where you wanted to go. What was the driving force behind creating that dream? into a goal and then a reality for you okay so why i couldn't get to be an iron
1: woman was i was always at work so their training was like five in the morning but i used to start work at, at five and i used to teach 25 classes a week at um the sports super center um group exercise and it was frustrating because i also then thought oh, okay well i'll try my best to be sports acro but same thing to you i just I couldn't get to the training because of the work so uh, by chance on this particular day, I was having a bad time of the day. I wanted to leave. I was like, you know what? I just can't work with chicks, man. Like, I just, I don't want to be here. And it was the right place, right time. My future coach had walked, he was the security guard, you know, good shape. What do you do? And I said, well, what I did. And he says, oh, would you be interested in pursuing bodybuilding? And I said, oh, yuck. No, horrible. Big, fat, bloated, you know, drinking out of blenders, scratching their nuts type of bodybuilder look. I was horrified. And he was one of the most interesting guys I've ever met because I got talking to this guy for an hour and a half about, you know, the lifestyle and, you know, what goes into actual performance for bodybuilders. And yeah, I started training with this guy seven days a week and there wasn't really a goal as such, but. I think I wanted to see how far I could push myself physically. And, you know, I'd moved into state to start this job. I didn't know a lot of people. Um, I was probably trying to step outside my comfort zone. I'm outgoing, but I'm also very closed up as well. So I probably did it to, you know, test my comfort zone as well and trying to fit in somewhere and probably try and understand a different group of people. And it just started from there. And then As it went on, you know, just found that I enjoyed it. I love the discipline of the sport, but it was also a sport that I could actually then control any injuries that I had from, you know, teaching that that amount of of exercise and push myself on a personal level that I didn't really need to fit in with a group or a team. So even though we had like-minded people at a gym, it was different from what I was doing at, I was working at a health club and this is more of a gymnasium, like hardcore gym. Um, I enjoyed the variety and then it just went from there and then um, he passed away, um, my coach unfortunately, and then I met my new coach who was as tough as nails and i tell you that was probably the uh, five of the hardest years of my professional career mentally and physically and it just went from there and I think the emphasis back then was achieving and maybe too I still had a chip on my shoulder, I still felt I had to prove something when, you know, years later worked out that it was only ever trying to prove something to myself because you think, okay, genetically probably wasn't the best gifted athlete being, you know, super tall. I've got legs like a daddy, long legs. And, you know, you get a coach who pushes you, but then you have other coaches who tell you the truth and go, listen, you ain't cut out for this kid, you know? And then that's probably another towards, you know, the mid part of my career it was a matter of no I'm, I'm doing this and I'm going to do it to my best ability. And I'm going to learn as much as I can because I really don't feel like even if you you know find yourself in a sport that you're not genetically gifted you can't give it your best if you want to do something you should be able to be able to achieve that so I think more the midway of my career was the turning point and where the tenacity became too ferocious for me become very very protective and very very um militant with what I was doing and I blocked out a lot of people because if well, you know, if you're not with me, you're against me, and if you're not helping me, you're part of the problem, and that's probably where you know I started to really get into my training, and it wasn't probably once I survived that coach to my next coach John that I started actually to enjoy, and then was aware of. Okay, listen, for you to continue this sort of lifestyle, you have to look after your health. So I was probably mm-hmm. 27, 28 by now, and I really realised that you know hormones change what you could do at 21, you can't do at 28. And um, I had to go, well, if I'm into the long haul, I have to make an investment, not just an aesthetic. I have to go, you know, cellular and mental. So um, that's
0: what I did. So at what point did you move into the sports supplement space on that journey?
1: Well, I'd always been interested in sports supplements because I think early in my career, you know, there was a lot of other things offered to athletes to help enhance your physical, you know, attributes or abilities. So to me, if I think well, I could find something that was on the same wavelength, or if you know, I could manipulate my system through something that was organic or vitamin or supplement-wise, I was going to find it. So I started doing a lot of my own research. Got very close with Matt Leg at ATP Science. Um, he opened my eyes to a lot of other parameters of what you can actually you push your body and how to support your body. Um, yeah, and then sort of got a bit jaded working in the fitness industry. I think I found it hard being a professional athlete and helping a lot of other athletes while I was actually prepping or mainstream clients who weren't invested in their health. So it was very hard for me to be a part of the fitness industry when at the time I didn't feel people were as invested in their health, like simple getting a blood test or just seeing how they are when they'd really just want to patch things up or put shit in their face or, you know, jab something in their ass. And really there was other options. So I got out of the fitness industry for a couple of years there and pursued our own um supplement style store and yeah and that was that was it was interesting that as well and then you know same thing i worked out that people are just looking for the next best product to burn fat lift something burn something without actual hard work so that was frustrating so I don't I wasn't put on the floor a lot because I was having some very honest conversations with people telling you take any more of this shit you're going to get a stroke so and people don't want to hear that and in retail you know you're there to sell as I found that a bit of dichotomy for myself because uh, the reality was, it like listen keep on taking this shit it's it's not going to work out good for you and then also to be very frustrating people wouldn't you offer them advice and even not even a financial thing. I said, well, listen, on a scale of one to 10, you really need to be taking, you know, glutamine or a, a non dairy protein to suit your blood type or where your blood's actually at. And people wouldn't listen. So I found that frustrating too, or, you know, someone coming in asking about their health and they're holding a donut. So, I found myself professionally offended a lot, which you can't do that in sales. You have to be there and available and just be okay, I'm just going to sell you whatever you want and make, you know, make budget. And I struggled with that. So, hence why I was put out the back a lot of the time and then developing as I would struggle going, listen. I don't even know what I'm talking to you. So, and that's hard. So that was that was that was hard when working with, with supplementation in a retail environment.
0: You are a country girl from Dubbo, and you've had such a love for horses, and it's uh, quite interesting because people can actually find you riding in equestrian events in another part of your life. And riding is hard work and requires good aerobic endurance, which I think sounds like it's been quite a transferable skill from all of the other things you've done. What does your fitness program look like to prepare you? for an equestrian event
1: okay so when i when i transitioned from bodybuilding so i had gone from figure up to bodybuilding back down to physique back down to figure so i've gone a whole echelon of of physique shape changing and then chosen to retire from professional body or or stage competition Um, i bet my bought my first horse off the racetrack and he was super fit and super uneducated so I just started getting myself back into it and I just come up a show. So I thought I was pretty fit. I was training four hours a day, but I tell you, it's been one of the hardest, you know, realizations that I was show fit for stage, not for this sort of thing. So, you know, I was getting up to, I, had, I probably lost 16, 17 kilos of weight muscle and actual weight to get back on to be able to ride it you know what i'm doing now Um, and i was at the particular place where i had the horses you weren't allowed on site till six o'clock in the morning because the horses get fed at the same time so i was still getting up to gym and doing cardio and i was i intermittent fasted for pretty much eight months between 11 and eight to drop some size and then the best sort of fitness i could do was actual match fitness so Mm -hmm. you i found the the fitter I got was I had to ride more. So then it started in riding other people's horses. I bought other horses, um, to try and help me fulfill this sport. Like, it's hard. Like I've been riding and I've been going, Jesus Christ, this horse is breathing heavy, but it was me. (laughs) I was stuffed and doing so much hypertrophy training for years. And even teaching grip exercise, you're in control. Or you might do a million reps for one set. Like you get that you keep moving until, you know, either your horse is responding or understanding and that set could go for ages so and you know the coach I've got at the moment he's a relentless man there's no breaks there's absolutely no breaks until the horse needs a break there's nothing about oh do you need a breather you keep riding so I've had to, to be able to do that so a set might go for 15 minutes it's you just keep going there's no breaks
0: so it's quite the sport of
1: endurance it is like cross country and the breathing I, I kept on saying to my coach when does the breathing kick in he's like it just happens and I'm saying no 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 but you don't understand. I've never been this winded. In Like I have burning lungs. And he's like, I don't know. You just have to work it out.
0: And, it, and, it, and it, you do. Anne-Marie, you've created this extraordinary life as a very multi-faceted professional athlete in so many different areas, mate. And you have been an entrepreneur. It's a big question. But finally, I'm sure our audience would like to hear, what are your top three tips to living a fulfilling and purposeful life? Okay
1: being aware of what you really want, not just an image of what you think is needed to make everyone else happy taking the time to smell the roses and actually look back on your achievements and forecast how those achievements are going to fulfill you in the future and communicate you need to be able to communicate with people around you, you are not to support yourself and then, you know you have to coexist in be a, in a social your, your family and you know um be aware that what you do can affect other people so just be honest with yourself and be not be that goal orientated You forget the people around you are, are part of the process as well
0: love it mate thank you so much for sharing that some beautiful tips and I think a lot of people have now got a lot more insight into who Anne-Marie Lassere is. And I want to thank you sincerely for joining me on today's episode of the Healthy Habit Hot Seat. Guys, stay tuned for the next episode where we're going to dive deep into the intricacies of Anne-Marie's life and the success habits that have formed where she is now as an entrepreneur, an athlete and an amazing human being. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining us this week on the Healthy Habit Hot Seat make sure to visit loslife.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, I'd be stoked with a five-star rating on iTunes. Better still, tell a friend and share the love. If you loved this episode, you might want to check out my book, The Healthy Habit Handbook, available in soft cover, ebook, and audio form on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Balboa Press, Apple Music, Audible and all good book retailers. Be sure to tune in for our next episode for your fortnightly dose of inspiration from some of the world's most successful and healthy lifestyle masters. Remember, stay inspired. I'm Loz Antonenko and ciao for now.